0: Dear Lord, we thank you again for another day, for life, for health, for strength, for a sound mind. We thank you for your favor. We thank you for the grace that you've given us to be able to even be considered your child. We know that we're not deserving of anything that we have, but your goodness keeps on shining over us. Even when we don't feel it sometimes because of what we're going through. We know you still good you're still good, you're still God, and you still care about your children. Thank you. We give you the glory and the honor. In your name, Jesus we pray. Amen. So we're gonna get into um, a topic today that a lot of us need to hear because what we're going through right now in our own personal lives and around the world, us as believers is a tremendous test. We're seeing wickedness on every level involved in everything from kids to uh, you know, senior citizens, whether it's in the public place, the private places. And we need to understand We need to hear some truth about God's word regarding what's going on in this world. But I want to say first and foremost, uh it is, it is without question that the righteous in this season should be worry-free. Absolutely worry-free. You know, there's always something that's gonna happen in this world because evil still exists. It won't be a time of peace of calm or you know there's always going to be something chaotic and even in our personal lives even in the things that we do because we are living in this flesh but when it comes to the destruction that happens around us the things that fall apart the the world becomes more chaotic we ought to be worry free because God has made promises that he has always kept. And those promises are still true to this very day. And I'm gonna start off reading one of my favorite psalms in the Bible that has helped me. And I'm sure you all have heard this psalm and it's been a uh, fortifier for us who believe. But we need to understand what God is really saying in this season because too many people are falling apart who say they believe in Jesus, who say they they read the word and they believe in the word. And we shouldn't be like the world falling apart. It's not that we're not going to get upset, not that we're going to have sorrows and pains and we're going to suffer. We're not going to go through something because we believe. But when people get completely defeated, we should never fall into that category. Because his word is true. In Psalm 91, it say, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the Father, from the peerless pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your Shield and buckler. You should not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come nigh your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent, you shall trample under feet because you have set, because he has set his love upon me. Therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble and deliver him and honor him with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. This is a prayer that was prayer, a psalm that was spoken, that was recorded long before Jesus Christ came. And it was given to the people of God. And it really outlines how we should live our life as believers. We shouldn't walk around like everyone else in a place of uncertainty, of anxiety, fear, worry, disbelief. Because it says in the end right here, it says, because we have set our love upon him, so he will deliver us. It said, I will set him on high because he has known my name. If we know and we profess, we claim, we, we stand on the name of Jesus, then we shouldn't be living in this state of disbelief that things are going to take us out, going to destroy us. It says, he who dwells in the secret place, verse one, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadows of the Almighty. There's no place better to be than in the shadows of the almighty. But when you're standing, just think about when you're standing in someone's shadow, you, you typically have to be close to a person to be in that shadow. And if their shadow is over you, they're keeping you from the heat that's being projected down towards you. But as soon as we step out of that shadow, We start to experience the temperature rise. Things become more frustrating for us. They become more difficult to handle. And it becomes very trying for us who say we believe to the point where we stop living according to what we say we have faith in. We have to stay in the shadows of the Almighty because if we do, then we are at a place where we can walk this life as a righteous person and be worry-free. Contrary to what we've been told and what we've experienced, worry is a sin because worry takes God out of the position in our lives and it puts ourselves there. And we don't believe that God can make a way. That's all we're saying, and God is not really faithful. He doesn't fulfill his promises. He lied or he's not truly who he says he is. When we begin to allow worry to take the wheel. We ought to trust God no matter what we're going through. No matter what it looks like. When we are trusting him, we're obedient and walking with God. Our heart belongs to him. He keeps us, period. No two ways to look at it. It may look like the ship's falling apart. It may look like from the logical standpoint that we're not going to make it. But in reality, that's just all the facade that the enemy portrays to get us to think that God isn't faithful. And then we start taking these routes and making these decisions that removes our mindset from walking in a place of faith. God rewards the righteous. And who are the righteous? After Christ Jesus, the righteous are those who have come into the faith and are walking with a heart for God and not a heart for this world. And I'm going to read a story we've all heard about that really shows how God really will do for his people. Contrary to what the world says in what you may hear in different church institutions. We're going to talk about the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, it's famous for the fact that there were sexual perversion that happened in this, in this, in these cities, you know, they're, they're famous for, they were so disgusting and, and perverted that God destroyed them because of their homosexual lifestyle. But before we even get into what we're going to talk about here, the truth is God didn't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of their homosexual lifestyle. He destroyed them because they didn't have a heart for him. Because they weren't living for God, they were living for themselves. They fulfilled nasty, perverted desires because that was a mind God allowed them to have because ultimately that's what they wanted. We're going to look at this when we get into reading about this story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And we're gonna start in uh, Genesis eighteen at verse verses uh, verse twenty two, and, and we're 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 looking at when Adam tries to stand up for Sodom because Adam believes there's some there has to be somebody left in Sodom and Gomorrah that is. Uh, Still righteous, still believes, still trying to live right. Everybody, he he doesn't believe that everybody have crossed over to the dark side. You've got to be somebody there. And and Adam, excuse me, not Adam, but Abraham. Abraham is trying to intercede for this city, these people. And in verse 22, he says, then the man turned away from there and went towards Sodom. But Abraham still stood before God. And Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous in the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous are in the city? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked. So that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? So Abraham is got the information that Sodom is getting ready to get wiped out. And he's like, hold up. Let's look at this right here. If we got at least 50 people here who are still righteous, who are still trying to live holy, will you not spare the whole city for the 50? And here's what the Lord said in verse 26. If I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sake. So God saying, listen, I will, I will spare the whole city. Even though the city is torn up, perverted, they've been crossed over, they're completely unrighteous, living completely against God's will. If there's at least 50, he'll save it just for, that, for their sake. And then uh, you know, Abraham goes on to say, well, what if there's 45? And again, God says, you know, I won't, I won't destroy. Him. He said, well, you know, what if there is uh 40? You know, and then he goes down to 20, then he gets down to 10, and and God basically says, I won't destroy the city if I find at least 10 people who are righteous. Now, I don't know the population of Sodom and Gomorrah, but uh, according to uh, what some research, researchers say is that it was like a metropolitan city. It was like Los Angeles size. And out of all those people, if there were at least 10 who were righteous, 10 who were trying to live right, God would spare the entire city. So then we go on to uh, chapter 19, verse 1, and, and this is when it It talks about how, you know, it gets into a little more detail of how, uh, you know, rotten Sodom has gotten. And, And verse one, it says, now two angels came to Sodom in the evening and the Lord was sitting at and excuse me. And Lot was sitting at the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose up to meet them and bowed himself to to his face toward the ground. And he said, here now, my lords, turn to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may arise early and go your way. And they said to him, no, but we will spend the night in the open square. And verse three says, but he insisted strongly. So they turned in to him and and entered his house. Then they made them a feast and bake eleven bread and they ate. You know, it doesn't say exactly here why uh, Lot was so eager to get them to come into the house, but I, I just believe that Lot really knew what was out there at night. You know what <laughs> that nightlife people was. You know that you know what happens in Vegas, stay in Vegas kind of life. He knew that was that was going on out there, so he was you know trying to get them to the safe zone, his house. In verse four, before they laid down, the men of the city the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. And they called to Lot and said to him, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. Right. And, and you know, that's basically they wanted to um, do their nasty, perverted thing with these two men. So Lot went out to them through the doorway, shut the door behind him, and said, please, my brethren, do not do such wickedly. See now, I have two daughters who I have not known, who have not known a man. Please let me bring them out to you that you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men, since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. Now, Lot made a very, very uh, bold statement. He was willing to put his daughters in front of these men because of how wicked these men are and the result of what happened or or what was inevitably going to happen because of the, the, the perverted life of these men. What was going to happen to the city? And then verse nine, they said, stand back. Then they said this one comes in to stay here, and he keeps acting as a judge. Now we will deal worse with him, with you than them. Alright, so I'm gonna skip down to uh verse twelve before I get there. Basically uh these men were a bit or were trying to call the two, two men out of the house who were actually angels. And they were trying to get them into their nasty lifestyle. <clears throat> and uh, they end up getting struck with blindness. Though all of them that was around the house, so they couldn't do anything. The angels were struck with blindness. And what happens in this story really shows you how God protects his people. You know, there is so much evil going on in this in this situation here in Sodom and Gomorrah, but before he, God gives the angels the green light to destroy him, the city, he actually not only rescues Lot, but he tells Lot to get all his family members together, gather them all up and then get out of the city. And he tells them, don't look back. Uh, Cause if you look back, you know, it, it, you're going to be destroyed. Ultimately you're not going to make it out. You know, and Lot tell they tell Lot to take his family into the into the mountains. And Lot says, Well, if we go there, we're not gonna survive. Some evil is gonna take us. So he asked them, he said, Well, can we Lot said, Can we go to uh, the city nearby? It's a small city. Um, and and the city is, is Zora in verse twenty two. And Zora actually means small or significant. And he was asking to go to a significant place, a place that was not uh, attached to Sodom and Gomorrah and be able to have a safe haven there for their family. And the angels said, yes, go. But hurry up and said, but we can't do anything to this city until you are out. Until you and your family, you and your righteous ones have left this city. And sure enough, They gave the Moses or a lot time to get out. They got out, and the angels destroyed the city. We look at what's going on in in the world today, the sexual perversion that exists. It's no different than how the world operated before the flood. It's no different than what happened with Sodom and Gomorrah. History repeating itself. Is an inevitable thing, right? We we are always coming back to a place where people are just living as they will and have no regards for God. And when we see this evil, more and more things happen around us. We get more wars. We get uh, uh, corrupt politicians. We get all these different things that happen because people's heart runs from God. And they rather run to what they want, their own self, their own flesh. But in the process of this, a person who believes in Jesus Christ, who reads their Bible, who attends church and fellowship with other people, they can easily, especially today, now than ever before, can open up a, a social media app. Or click on a news channel and see all the things that God does not like—the unrighteousness, the wickedness, the wars, the famines, the—I the, mean, human trafficking—you name it—and they can see. It, you know, it looks like it's devastating. The pestilence, sicknesses, and you feel like it's—you can easily—it can easily feel like it's going to hit you. It's coming your way that you're, you're next on the list or it's coming to you soon. Gas prices going up, the economy, all these different things are happening. And we can look at it and say, man, that could be me. I could be next. But this is that's exactly what the enemy wants us to do. He wants us to completely disregard Psalms 91, to start stepping out of the shadow and making decisions to Uh, you know, prepare ourselves or try to stop what's coming or whatever the case may be. And we're going in a completely opposite direction of the will that God has for our life. Our eyes should stay on God and his promises, his word. You know, Sodom was destroyed and Gomorrah was destroyed, but Lot wasn't terrified. His concern was, well, see, these going up. I just don't want to go to the mountains. Can I go to the city nearby? Because he was a righteous man and he and, and and he found favor in God. God granted what he wanted. He not only saved him from the city that was being destroyed but he granted him his his own opportunity, his own desire to go to a place that he wanted to go. And then you look at what uh Abraham asked God for. He 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 went from 50 down to 10 and said, if you got at least 10 righteous people in the city, he won't destroy it. But at the time it was being destroyed, you know, all the Bible says that every person from all quarters of of the city came to Lot's house seeking those angels. So there was nobody left righteous in the city other than Lot and his family members. That was it. So in this present time that we're living in and this wickedness is going you know, people are all like, well, what if what if Russia launches a nuke or what if another country launches another nuke and all this other kind of stuff? It doesn't matter. Nothing that they can do. Can stop what God's word says he will keep his people. He cannot lie. And he's proven this from Genesis to today. If we ever feel like God isn't keeping his word, that means we've turned our ear to the enemy and we're starting to believe what he is saying. God will keep you all the way up until your final day, your final hour. But here's the thing. He's keeping the righteous, not everybody. Those who are in right standing with him. Those who are walking by faith and not sight. Those who are led by the spirit of God. And not the flesh. Those are the ones that he's keeping. And know this. He didn't say he's keeping the perfect. He didn't say he's keeping the ones who are without flaw. He said he's keeping those who are in right standing. Who has a heart for him. We get down. We mess up. We fall short of his glory. But our heart gets convicted if we have a heart for him. And we get up, we go back to them. You'll never find a single time in the Bible where those who uh, came back to God was denied. So yeah, the world is facing all kind of turmoil, falling apart, wickedness on all, every front. You know, the school system is, is just ridiculously th- falling apart more than ever before. They're teaching kids it's okay to uh, change your sex. It's okay to wake up one day, you want to be a girl, want to be a boy. You know, you have laws in certain states now that it's okay, they don't even prosecute for a statutory rape. You know, and and if you look back over history, that's when God got fed up and said enough and wiped out cities. He wiped them out. He destroyed people. He gave them a chance to change. They refused. And he destroyed. But every time he did it, it wasn't through uh, some type of system or whatever the case may be. It was through his fulfilling his promises. But know this, the world will not be destroyed while the believers are on this planet. It won't be. That's his promise. He said in his word that he's not appointed us to suffer wrath. The Wrath is coming. It's being fulfilled as we speak. You look at the world today, the first step to God's wrath, the first stage is spiritual blindness. And then after that, you know, we do what we are called to do. We go and we preach the gospel. We tell people to repent. We contend for the faith. And when, as the Bible says, the gospel, this gospel, this word has been preached to all nations then the end will come. But we who believe are not. In this season, and even if the world so-called calms down and then goes back to quote-unquote normal, even in that time, God still is faithful. And he'll still keep us. Whether it's our paying for our rent, it's feeding our children, it's having the right state of mind. Like I said earlier, this whole thing about depression, anxiety, anxiety, worry, listen, that is not uh, that's supposed, that is not something that's supposed to be running the minds of a believer. Paul said, let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. And at the end of the day when things didn't go Christ's way, not going to the cross he said, God, your will be done, not mine. And he left it at that. So we need to be worry-free in this season. The only way we do that is through the leadership of the Holy Spirit and denying our own will for things to be done. Walking in His will. You know, do we believe what we read? That's a question. Do we truly believe what we read? Do we believe that we are a child of the Most High God? Do we believe we've been saved from this empty way of life? And if we do, yeah, the enemy going to come in anybody's head. It is what it is. Nobody's going to live in this faith that you don't come under some type of attack from the enemy. It doesn't try to pull you into anxiety and depression. But that's why that armor is so important. So when the wiles of the enemy come, we can stand on the truth of God's word and declare it over and over again. Walk in it. We have to walk in his word. It's important so that way we can live without worry. We can trust in him. The Bible says a fear of man will prove to be a snare, but those who trust in the Lord are kept safe. A fear that tries to come over us about whatever it is we're doing, whatever it is we're going through, whatever it is that's happening around us, will ensnare us, will trap us. And then we're stuck, but if we trust God, we're kept safe. You know, and 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 fear, anger, frustration, all these different things that we take action on. You know, I remember the time when I was looking at twenty five years in prison, and I was telling some of my um young kids today. I have I have I'm doing a camp right now, a spring break uh camp, and I have. Several kids that come and attend and we do a lot of fun things and challenging stuff, but I always give them a conversation before we end the day. Some part of the day they get to hear me talk and I and I give them some of the most. uh, If you will. Honest conversations and I was explaining to them how I was looking at 25 years of prison and the first thought I had when they arrested me was I wanted. Revenge. I wanted to make sure people knew that they messed with the wrong person. That's all I thought about. I didn't care about forgiveness or respect or eh, that mattered to me. I feel like this never should have happened. I didn't do anything wrong, and I'm plotting my revenge. I'm plotting my get back. And that, those actions that I was taking, kept putting me in a position. That just kept tightening the noose around me. Not just the the physical prison noose, but in my mind, in my spirit. Everything just kept clamping down on me. Because I was in no position to even think about, or I didn't care to think about, walking righteous. I started operating on what was around me, the things that I was experiencing. But when I was obedient to the Word of God, and I forgave, I humbled myself, I got back to praying consistently and reading my Bible. The light didn't just flip on immediately, and I came out of darkness. I was still there. But my state of mind transformed. and And because my state of mind transformed, my surroundings began to transform. and eventually, I walked out of that situation with no strings attached. God fulfilled his promise in my life in that very situation. While I went home, a thousand fell down at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but it didn't come near me. I, I got to see the reward of the wicked. People were shipping off to state prison. I went home. God's word is true. And anybody says anything different, they've been deceived. And I wanna definitely tell you, don't let somebody else's loss or devastation or defeat, or even their disbelief get you to believe contrary to God's word. Because only the spirit of God knows the spirit of another person. And only God knows that relationship that they have between each other. So if somebody was preaching, teaching, shouting, evangelizing, ministering, and they got into a tragic event or or whatever the case may be, we don't know nothing about anything with that person. We don't know where their heart was with God. We don't know if God said that was just a time to go. One of the most ridiculous things we have done and probably some of us probably still do is we base God's word on some other person's decisions or with some other person's circumstances you know someone told me the other day you know because of me what i say regarding the words i'm the reason why they stopped believing in jesus christ i said well i said well that's your fault i said you're supposed to believe in christ for yourself not someone else so we got to base our uh our worry free mentality on what the word of god says and not anyone or anything else. Not what's going on in the world. There's an illusion out there. A strong illusion. That's telling folks that one day. We going back to normal. We can just stop Russia from going after Ukraine. If we can just get the president out of the office. If we can just, you know, get the economy back on its feet. We can go back to normal. If we can get everybody vaccinated. We can go back to what you know what 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 was normal. But as I look over history, I can't find a single time normal existed. It it's since the Garden of Eden, it has been getting worse and worse and worse. I think a lot of people just want to go back to the time they had their blinders on and evil wasn't so blatant. Because this perversion that we see in the world today with these People are saying it's okay for kids to do disgusting things with grown adults. And it's okay for grown adults. That's always been going on. You just got social media now so you can see it easier. and show up in your feed. It can get a couple of hashtags, start trending, and boom. Oh, look at all that evil. It's always been there. But all that is theatrics. Enemy creates... And he does such a great job now because now you have instant communication. So, what he wants you to see, it only takes you the, the speed of light to see it. And, and enough of it is like anything else. Eat enough burgers, and what's going to happen to you? Right? Eat enough junk food, and what's going to happen? Well, we consume enough of what the enemy's doing on, during the news and social media, what's going to happen to us? We, there's no way we can believe God's word to be true if all we do is feed ourselves with facades and lies and shenanigans and, and theatrics and charades. We'll doubt him eventually. We may believe, oh yeah, God is a way maker, but then we'll stop believing he's a healer. Oh he 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 he'll provide for us, but but he can't give us peace. I mean, sounds like the enemy to me. How's God, uh, uh, he's Jehovah Jireh, but he's not Jehovah Nisi. How is he uh, uh, someone who comes in and calms the storm? I mean, just calms the storm, but then don't remove the doubt. We ought to be worry-free in this season. If we are obedient, walking in his will, we should be worry-free period. Nothing that's happening in the world today, the apostles and Christ did not forewarn us about. And even before any of the apostles were picked and Christ Jesus walked the earth, Isaiah talked about it. Daniel talked about it. But we are letting ourselves get thrown side to side and up and down and in and out because We're listening too much of what the world is saying and not what the word has already declared. We need to get back to dwelling in the shadow of the most high. And we need to stay there. It's a difficult thing to deal with the loss of a loved one. But even in the loss of a loved one, we shouldn't lose our faith. We we are always going to go through it. Paul said that anyone who desires to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. We will go through it. Some people are going to persecute you and they don't even know they're persecuting you just because they on the enemy's team. They think they're doing the right thing. Oh, I'm sorry. I can't help you out with that. You know, it's just the company's policy. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, we've already gave you enough extensions. Well, I'm sorry. You know, they don't even they they're just doing whatever the enemy told them to do. They don't know. No, oh, that's just logic. That's the way the world operates. Exactly. It's not how God operates. Could you imagine if God showed up to and say, "You know what? You know, we've gave you enough grace. I've give you enough favor. Sorry, can't give you any more. It would have been another world after Noah." That would have been it. Let's be worry-free in this season. Let's go to the word of God and apply that word. You know, I was talking to one of these, uh, I want to say this young man is probably 11 years old. And I'm always asking these young young kids questions. What does this mean? What does that mean? I said, what should we do with things we can't control? Things that we can't fix, problems that come up against us. Maybe we create the problem. Maybe we did it. But what should we do? And he didn't know specifically what to say, but I understood where he was going. He said, we should apply the Bible. I said, really? What do you mean by that? He said, take the Bible and apply it to the problem. Coming from a 10-year-old kid. It was, it was you know, powerful. And he ain't even, this young man, he haven't had to pay rent yet. <laughs> you know, he hasn't had to uh, deal with a bad marriage. He hasn't had to deal with, you know, other kind of expenses or trying to get a job. But he said, I asked him, when things hit us and we don't even know what to do, he said, take the Bible and apply it. And that's what we need to do. The economy fall apart. What does God's word say about that for the believers? Sin is surrounding us. Perversion is surrounding us. It has guided itself into the churches. There's churches now who fully support the wickedness of this world. It's not, well, you know, we got to love everybody. It's not, not even that. They're saying it's okay. Live that life. Do that. We support you. God is good. And everything he said is happening. So we ought to take his word in and attach it to those situations. It's not, it, it does us no good to complain about anything. And and remember the word of God tells tells us that life and death is in the power of the tongue. When we say statements like, "Well, you know, I'm just so tired. I can't stand this person. They get on my nerves. This a, uh, this stuff right here is just killing me. I'm sick of this. The life and death is in the power of the tongue. So what we ought to be saying is what the Word of God says. In every situation we come up against and make that decision every day to be led by this Holy Spirit so we'll know how to navigate through the wickedness that surrounds us. Because like I said, uh, in in one of my previous discussions was deception is is yanking people collars and, and pulling their strings more than ever before people are are just they're not even it doesn't even matter to a lot of people to even try to have a real relationship with god they want to know what the next uh strategic plan is going to be regarding whatever's happening in the world completely disregarding what god's word is saying and the reason this is the reason why many who say they believe deal with anxiety because we're waiting on an answer from someone who has yet to provide the right answer. You're going to be waiting all your life if you wait waiting on mankind to give you the answer. They still ain't found a cure for nothing. They haven't. They pull you into these treatments. They pull you into these systems. And you're still waiting on a cure. Or you're going to the therapy sessions and it's every Tuesday at seven o'clock. And you don't get what you're asking for. It was never designed for you to get cured. It was designed to make sure you keep coming back. And hopefully that anxiety and that fear keep pulling you in. So they can keep treating you. And they can keep getting paid. And you could keep half believing God. So Psalms 91. I want to encourage each of us to read Psalms 91 and apply Psalms 91. Because David really outline who we are and what we ought to do if we say we believe and how we should handle the things that come our way. We should be treading on the enemy. We shouldn't be under him. He shouldn't be backing us in a depression depression corner, an anxiety corner, trampling and treading on the enemy. That's what he says. So be encouraged and it's only through the word of God that we can actually have that true encouragement, not that temporary five minute, oh, that was great T.D. Jakes type thing. I'm talking about that, that encouragement when all the music stops and the lights get dark Ain't nobody saying anything positive Here come the enemy So know that we who are believers and we walk in this faith That we are called to be fearless And worry free That we're not supposed to be tossed By all that's happening in the world That God's word has already been fulfilled regardless regards to what we experience we have to stand on that Know this to be true And walk this life In the will of God and not according to the waves and the wind that the world is producing. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the truth, for your word, for your reality, for the believers. Thank you for giving us favor. Thank you for giving us grace. Thank you for standing in the gaps you're seeing on our behalf. You are true. There's nothing that can stand against you. We give you the glory and the honor and all the praise. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.